0: Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 10. Last Lord's Day evening, we were looking at at this chapter. And the main point of it is found down in, in, uh, excuse me, John chapter 11. What am I doing? John chapter 10. We're in John chapter 11. Mm, All flesh is grass. Yeah. And the main point is down in... In verse 25, where the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to Martha. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Let's read that portion right there. Beginning in verse 24 and then down to verse 26. Jesus and his disciples have arrived in Bethany. And verse 24 says, Martha said to him, uh, Excuse me. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? Jesus comes up to the grieving family there in Bethany. And Martha says, I know if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And her response is, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. This afternoon, I want us to look at the great promise that God has given us in the resurrection. There's misunderstanding among many who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of it is 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 pretty serious some of it's not so serious but we want to make sure we've got a good grip on what this resurrection is because this is the great promise of God that has been ever since the Old Testament for his people I mean and we're not going to go into the Old Testament tonight because you get a good systematic theology and it will give you all the details but I want us to look at it from our perspective the great promise of the resurrection to us And the first question I want to ask is, what is the resurrection? See, when a man dies, his spirit leaves his body. And his body decomposes back into dust. But his spirit consciously lives on. Go to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Find verse 22. The Lord Jesus Christ himself makes this very clear. Uh, Here in the parable, actually it may not be a parable. It may be a recounting of something that has actually happened. So we have to be careful when we describe this as a parable. But it's about the rich man and Lazarus. And listen to what the Lord Jesus says. Beginning in verse 22. Now it happened that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony. In this flame. Here's what many would call the afterlife. I think a better way of describing what they refer to as the afterlife is the after death life. In other words, Lazarus has died. The rich man also died. But they didn't cease to exist. Their bodies decomposed on earth. But their spirits were still alive. And their spirits were still conscious. The living, conscious spirit of every human being who dies, according to this passage and according to the rest of the scripture, goes to one of two destinations. One destination would be that those who believed and trusted the God of the Bible. That would be the God of Abraham, the God of Israel, the God that the Bible describes to us as a Trinitarian God. Those who have believed and trusted in this God, the true God, to save them from their sins, go to what we call heaven. And what the Bible calls heaven. That's where the Lord Jesus Christ in his glorified body is enthroned. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. You're familiar with these passages. Philippians chapter 1, in verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know what I will choose. But I am hard pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. What's he talking about? He says, I'm tired. Life's hard. I'd like to die and go home to heaven and be with Christ. He's saying that he knows that when he dies, his body is going to decompose. But his spirit will still be alive. His spirit will still be conscious. His spirit will be aware and his spirit will be enjoying the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ enthroned in heaven. And then go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verses 6 through 8. This is one of the classic verses about this subject. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, that is here, we are absent from the Lord, because he's there. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, and prefer rather to be absent from the body, that is dead, And to be at home with the Lord, that is in His presence. Now, how can you be dead in His presence? Your body dies, but your spirit still lives, and your spirit is in His presence. For every Christian who dies, for everyone who has ever trusted in the God of the Bible to forgive them of their sins, to go to heaven, to be with Christ, means rest, it means joy. And it means our full, final, spiritual conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're being sanctified in our souls here and now. Ever since we were converted, the Lord is changing us. He's making us more and more like himself. And the Father is making us more and more like the Son. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the work. Who is transforming us into the very image of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's taking place in our spirit. That's taking place in our soul. That's taking place in the inner man. And when we die we are instantly transported to the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are in a twinkling of an eye immediately and thoroughly and totally, finally transformed into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're working at it now. And we get so frustrated with ourselves now. And we, we get mad with ourselves. And we become impatient. And we get weary of the fight. But when we die, every bit of remaining sin will be obliterated from us. It's going to stay right here with the body. Our flesh is going to stay with the body. And in a second, God will do a final, full transformation of us into the image of His Son. We will be instantly transformed into His holiness. Finally, we will be holy as He is holy. And that's necessary because only perfectly holy creatures are allowed into the throne room of God in heaven because the throne room of God in heaven is the real holy of holies the holy of holy in the tabernacles and the holy of holy in in the temple were just shadows of the real holy of holies that's in heaven the true holy of holies and only those who are perfectly holy Can enter into that presence? God's going to do that. The second we die. He will transform us into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And at that time. We will be. And we will know. What we've longed for. All of our lives since we've been converted. That is we will finally be. Holy. And that will be the perfect delight of our souls. Now that's all I'm going to say about heaven this evening because this is not a sermon about heaven. It's about the resurrection. But we also have to realize what happens to those who die who have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ or even those who have never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ but they die in their sins. They go to a place here according to this passage in Luke chapter 16 of punishment and torment that Luke calls Hades. Hades. And we're told that in Hades they're in torment. Verse 23. And in verse 24 the rich man in Hades says he's in agony. He is in spiritual torment. He is in spiritual agony. His body has been buried and rots. But his spirit, his inner man lives on and is living on in this torment and in this agony so until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back those who are dead in Christ those who have died in Christ have been totally transformed and are living in spirit with him conscious, aware carry on communication with our Lord Jesus Christ it's just without a body but God has provided something even better than that for us and what God has provided for us is a new body for all of those who have died in Christ <clears throat> there is the promise of the resurrection the good resurrection And the resurrection is when God provides for all of his children a new body for their holy souls. Remember, God created man a body with a spirit. What did he create first in the creation of man? He formed man out of what? The dust of the earth. And then he breathed his spirit into man. And man became a living soul, a living being. We are created to be spirit and body we're not a spirit in a body, we're not a body with a spirit we're spirit and body what makes you human is the fact that you are both spirit and body we are created intentionally different from the angels the angels are spirit only, they don't have a body Now they can take on uh, an appearance when they come to earth. But Hebrews says he makes his angels ministering spirits. But he created us particularly with bodies. And to those who have died and are with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Who are spirit but who have lost that body. They long to receive a new body. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. We're leaving Luke now. We're going to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5. Where we were just a minute ago. Now I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. You see how he's mixing his metaphors? You don't wear a house. But here he says you do. That our building, our house is something we long to be clothed with. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. So a spirit without a body is incomplete. As far as being what God intended a human being to be is naked without its body for indeed while we are in this tent now we've gone from a building to clothing he's describing our body as a tent while we are in this tent we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed but to be clothed so what is mortal will be swallowed up by life We, we want to be fully conformed to the image of Christ in our spirit but yet we still long to have a body because that's the way God intended us to be to have a body and we know that when we die we lose that body now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the spirit as a pledge what you have here is he says that those who have died without Christ consider themselves naked because they have lost their body those without Christ those who have died in Christ who are with Christ in heaven consider themselves to be unclothed because God intended for us to have a body. When he created Adam, he created Adam with a body. We are wired by God to long to have our body as well as a spirit. In the initial creation, Adam received an immortal body and a pure and perfect spirit until he sinned. And then his immortal body became a mortal body. And his spirit was corrupted. In the new creation. What the New Testament calls the regeneration. Where everything is going to be made new. After the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And that's a spoiler. In the new creation, we will receive an immortal body to go with a heart, mind, and spirit just like the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be utterly sinless, which is incomprehensible right now. It's a glorious truth, but it's just utterly incomprehensible. We will be thoroughly sinless, and we will have a body like Christ's body. We will be finally fully conformed to the perfect humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ that is God's promise of the resurrection to us to be fully conformed into the complete perfect humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ does the Lord Jesus dwell in heaven as a bright light does he dwell in heaven invisible no No. Everyone who goes to heaven, they see him. He's sitting in his body. His glorious, resurrected body. And finally, we're going to be just like him in every aspect. Except every aspect of his perfect, glorified humanity. We certainly won't have any of his deity there. It's not that we'll be, if I can use the word, merely spiritually conformed to the image of Christ. But we'll have a body just like His. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we're told that when He is revealed, we will see Him as He is. For we will be just like Him. And that's when the golden chain of Romans chapter 8 will finally be completed. You remember what Romans 8 says. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also, say it with me, glorified. The resurrection is when we are glorified. The resurrection is when that glorification finally takes place because we will be just like the Lord Jesus Christ in his perfect humanity. What is that? The fourth or fifth time I've said that. But I want to drive it home tonight. We're not going to be dragging around in heaven any remnant of what we're dragging around here on earth. Either in our spirits or in the weakness of our body. So the question is what's our resurrection body going to be like? I'm glad you asked. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is a whole chapter about the resurrection. 58 verses all about the resurrection. Because there were some in Corinth who said there was no resurrection. And Paul drills it into their skulls, the truth of the resurrection. But go to verse 42. And let's read 42 through 44. What's our resurrection body going to be like? So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a corruptible body. It is raised an incorruptible body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is also a spiritual body. Paul's been using the imagery here of sowing seed and reaping a harvest to describe the resurrection from the dead. And the seed is our natural body. That's the one that you're in tonight. That's this fallen body that you're in tonight. This mortal body that you're inhabiting tonight. This part of you tonight. And so he says our body is sown like seed. We die. We're buried. But when you sow seed, you don't just get another seed popping up out of the ground when it sprouts. That seed grows into an entire plant. It's a body different from the seed body. They went into the ground. And so when he says that he's sowing seed, but he's going to reap grain, the grain is the resurrection body. Notice what he says about that body. It's incorruptible. That is, it's incapable of death and decay. Even more, it can't wear out. It can't age. And nothing can damage it. I'm at the point now in my old life, where so all I have to do is scrape up against something and I bleed my skin is so frail and so fragile that all I have to do is rub up against something and I'll peel the skin back and it'll bleed That in my resurrection body that can't happen our body will be incorruptible and I say that the body will not age we will forever be in the prime of life When Adam and Eve were created, were they created as little babies? No, they were created as adults. They were created as adults in the prime of their adult life. That's the way we're going to be forever and ever in heaven. We won't age, we won't wear out, and we can't possibly be damaged. And forever we're going to be in the prime of our youth in heaven. Then he says our bodies are glorious bodies. But notice what he says. It's a glorious body as the opposite of dishonor. There will be nothing about us to be ashamed of. (coughs) Everything about us will be just like the Lord Jesus Christ. We will never dishonor ourselves with sin ever again. And since we will be holy as he is holy. Romans 8.17 says we will be glorified in him. Him and with Him. And since we eternally are going to be united to the Lord Jesus Christ, like a branch is united to the vine, we're going to share in His glory forever. It's one thing to be standing on the stage when the person that is the center of attention. And the person who is being, if I can put it like this, glorified, has all the spotlights on them. And you're standing off to the side and you get a little bit of the spotlight on you. That's a little bit of glory on you. That's not what's going to happen with us. We are spiritually united to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are spiritually, organically united to Him. And we will share in His glory. You say, no, that that doesn't sound fair. Fair has got nothing to do with it. This is what God has decreed and that's the way it's going to be. We will share in the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be a glorious body. It's going to be a powerful body. Everything that God wills for us to do. We will be able to do it. Whatever he wills for us to do. We will be able to do it. Let me put it like this. In the resurrection. No more fatigue. And everybody says amen. No more weariness. No more tiredness. Perfect power all the time to be able to do everything God wills for us to do. He says down here it's going to be a spiritual body. Please note spiritual is contrasted with natural. Spiritual is not contrasted with physical. Because it is going to be a physical body. But it's also going to be a spiritual body. What do you mean? Our natural body the one you have now, is susceptible to be dominated by sin. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, For the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. In our natural bodies, we are susceptible to sin. But in a spiritual body, everything is completely, joyfully, joyfully, enthusiastically subjected to and obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's why it's a spiritual body. Mm. First John 3:2. we see when he is revealed, we will see him as he is because we will be like him. How much does the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, incarnate? How much does he love his Father? How much? He say, that's a foolish question, Harry. I mean, yeah, it's, it's incomprehensible. We can't calculate it. I mean, what do you mean, how much? We know from the scriptures that the Lord Jesus Christ is one with the Father. That he and the Father are one. That his love for the Father is immeasurable. His love for the Father is thorough and complete and absolute. And that all his desire is to glorify his Father. How much does the Father love the Son? Same answer. If we are going to be just like the Lord Jesus Christ, according to 1 John 3, 2. Then we are going to love him and love the Father just like the Lord Jesus Christ loves his Father and just like the Father loves the Lord Jesus Christ that's what it means to have a spiritual body absolutely thoroughly dominated by the Spirit of God no more sin so when will God resurrect our bodies or put it like this when do we get our resurrected body and the answer is the day that the Lord Jesus Christ returns in glory to earth is the day we receive our resurrection body remember all those who die in Christ until he returns immediately are in his presence spiritually, consciously joyfully delightfully but without a body Longing to receive that body. But go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll see when we receive that resurrection body. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. You're familiar with this. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. So you see what's happening? The Lord Jesus Christ is returning to earth, but he doesn't come back alone. He comes back with all of those who have trusted him. The book of Revelation says we come back on white horses. Now, that's a nice note, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is we will be with him. And we're coming with him for a reason. Our spirits are coming with the Lord Jesus Christ for a reason. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. In other words, this is what Jesus said. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep, that is, who have died. You know that falling asleep, we saw that last week when Jesus says, our brother Lazarus has fallen asleep. He sleeps. That's the Hebraism. For he died. And the reason they use the term falling asleep is because in sleep you anticipate waking up. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's the resurrection. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. What happens? The Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Our spirits come back with him. He shouts. Rise. It won't be Lazarus come forth. It's just going to be come forth. And all of our bodies, those who have died in Christ, will rise from the grave. Glorified Resurrection bodies rising from the grave. Our spirits will meet them in the air with Christ. We will be glorified at that moment. That's when we receive our resurrection bodies. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 puts it like this. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. Then we will see him as he is. And then we will marvel at him. We will be filled with joy inexpressible and full of glory forever. Now I would be unfaithful to scripture if I didn't remind us. There will also be a resurrection of the wicked. Go to John chapter 5. In verse 28, Jesus says, talking about how he has life in himself and he gives life to whomever he will. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. That is the voice of the Son of Man. And will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. That's what we're looking forward to. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. And we covered all this when we went through John chapter 5. When he's talking about deeds, he's talking about deeds reflect what you are on the inside. You do what you are on the inside. Those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and who have struggled against their sins since then, we will be raised to a resurrection of life. Those who are indifferent, those who say, I'll do it later, I'll put it off, and then died in their sins, will be raised to a resurrection of judgment. And what they will receive is God's perfect justice. Those who are in Hades will receive immortal bodies that will be joined to their God-hating souls. And they will be justly condemned, found guilty for rejecting all the grace of God, for rejecting all that God has revealed to them. And they'll be thrown into the lake of fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched that's why we pray God give them receptive hearts to repent and trust Christ I mean Lord you you lavished your grace on us and you converted us you converted us oh Father convert them too that they might be resurrected with the just that they might be brought to repentance that they might glorify you here now from a new heart and a new spirit that you give them now but we're talking about the resurrection of the just tonight we're talking about our resurrection tonight so let's return to that finally what are we going to do in the new heaven and the new earth in these resurrection bodies I mean, if we're fully conformed to the image of Christ, body and soul, what do we do forever? Well, Revelation describes the loud, joyful singing and praises to God that are taking place in the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 7-9 says that there was a multitude that no man could count of every nation, tribe, people, and tongue singing praises to God. Revelation 5.9 says that they sang a new song and said, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. Because you, Lord Jesus, were slain and purchased to, and purchased to God with your blood people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign on the earth, the new earth. Revelation 5.12 says we're going to join the angels singing praises to God. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. Hmm. We're going to sing that with bodies that are powerful and glorious. Which means we'll never tire. We'll never tire of gazing at Christ of praising Christ in these glorious resurrection bodies but there's even more go to Luke chapter 19 this is our last passage for the evening Luke chapter 19 verses 16 through 19 you know the story There's this nobleman. He has received from the emperor a kingdom. So he goes to receive his kingdom. He's going to check it out and get ready to move there. And when he goes to look over his kingdom, he brings three of his slaves, his most trusted slaves, and he divides up some money to those three slaves. To one slave, he gives ten minas. To another slave he gives five minas. To another slave I think it says he gives two minas. And it says that when he comes back having entrusted these minas to his slaves to do business with them he comes back In verse 16 the first appeared saying master your mina has made ten minas more. Now what you have there the mina is equivalent to 100 denarii a denarius is equivalent to one day's wage so one who got the 10 minas he's got a thousand days wages in money eh, a little bit less than 3 or a little bit more than 3 years of income the one who got 5 minas He ended up with, excuse me, he ended up with uh, 500 days' wages. So he's got about a year and a half's worth of income. This will give you some idea. But notice, verse 16. So the first appeared saying, Master, your Mina has made 10 Minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. Three and a half years' wages is a very little thing compared to what the king has. Yeah. Because you have been faithful. Faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. And then the second one came and he says the same thing. You're going to be in authority over five cities. Hmm. Five cities, ten cities. You're now in authority over those cities. That's work. That's work. But it's rewarding work. It's joyful work. We are going to work in our resurrection bodies. In the new heavens and the new earth. But it's going to be wonderfully rewarding work. That the Lord has for us to do. The Lord has work for us. In our incorruptible, glorious, powerful spiritual bodies forever and ever we'll serve him in ways that utterly please him and ways that he is yet to reveal to us it's going to be glorious work for him that won't be laborious or wearying you're not going to need Gatorade you're not going to need to take a nap because you're going to be in your glorified powerful body working for the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is going to be wonderfully delightful work. Adam and Eve had perfect bodies and perfect spirits until they sinned. They were able to do everything that God told them to do, everything God wanted them to do in their bodies. They had the ability to do that. And what did he tell them to do? Tend my garden what's he going to tell us to do? I mean, I was a forester. Is he going to say, tend my new earth? I don't know. All I know is, you're going to be utterly fulfilled in the work that you do for the Lord Jesus Christ in your resurrection body forever and ever and ever. And it's going to cause him to smile. I mean, when he comes to see what you've done, There is going to be the great smile of satisfaction on his face. Well done, good slave. Well done, good brother. Well done, good sister. And it's going to make us love him and love one another even more and more and more forever. Hmm. Folks, all of this is the resurrection. This is what we have looking for, to look forward to. This is what is going to happen with us. And all of these resurrection glo- blessings are by His amazing grace. Yes. To Him be the glory for what He has planned and purposed for us. Would you stand with me, please? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. And we are dismissed.